I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go to support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Miracle Voices. This is your co-host, Matt McCabe. I'm here with my co-host, Tam Morgan. Tam, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Doing great. And very excited for our guest today, Keith Cavanaugh. Keith, welcome to Miracle Voices. Thank you very much, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. And where are you sitting today, Keith? Where are you in the world? <laughs> I'm in Ireland, and I'm just a little bit outside Dublin in a place called Navan. Great. Great. Well, Keith, a lot of our listeners are probably uh, familiar with you, but for those that aren't, Maybe we could start with just how A Course in Miracles came into your life. Sure. Um, I, I guess I was always passionate about spirituality. And so even, even when I was leaving school, I, I had the idea that I wanted to be a priest, uh, which never quite manifested. But I, I had this idea that spirituality was the most important thing. There was nothing more important. Um, and I guess I spent a lot of my life searching for ways to to grow that connection inside of me and to to express that in a meaningful way. Um, so so just under thirty years ago, um, I heard Wayne Dyer talking about a course in miracles. And that was the first I'd ever heard of it. And he was quoting some beautiful passages from the course. And so that was my introduction to it. I went out and bought my first book, which was The Penguin, uh, softback, green, green cover book, and got started on it. Um, I mean, it was beautiful. There were pat there were just passages in it that would would bring tears to my eyes, that 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 would, you know, almost transport you to being one with the Holy Spirit. Um, I didn't quite understand that at the time, but that's that's what the Course can do with the beauty of its words. Um, I didn't understand quite a lot of it. I mean, I think I threw it out the window on more than one occasion <laughs> uh, because it seemed um, those first few chapters are, they're difficult. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it, it took some time to really understand what, what Jesus was saying in the course. And, um, but I loved it and I made it my passion and, and I studied it for years. Um, have to put my hands up and say, I never really got the forgiveness process. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I, I think I had more of an idea what the forgiveness process was later on when I read Gary Bernard's books. But even then, I didn't really get it. Um, I, I, and even when I think back now to what I might have thought were limited successes with forgiveness, I can see now it was just simply forgiveness to destroy, um, you know, dressed up to look, to look holy and worthy. You can get um, fun. <laughs> pardon? 
I said, isn't that fun? (laughs) (laughs) For the ego? (laughs) Loves that. For sure. For sure. Yeah, because the Course says we have to forgive our brother for what he didn't do. And I never got that. Um, and even, even when, you know, challenging events would take place, you know, and you, maybe the thought of forgiveness might cross your mind. I sort of thought God had no right to ask me to forgive that. <laughs> um, that's just where I was at back then. Um, I mean, I also sort of supplemented that core study. Like I say, I had interests in so many directions within the spirituality field and meditation was one of those. And around about um, 11 years ago, um, uh, there was like a perfect storm, which was illness, a relationship breakup, uh, conflict at home and in work. And and my ego fell apart. Um, for the first time in my life, I knew what anxiety was. And I would have it from the moment I got up in the morning until I went to bed at nighttime, until I would finally be exhausted enough to be able to sleep. Um, I had panic attacks. I had mini seizures. I had body numbness. I couldn't sit still. If I, if I tried to sit still, it would feel like I was going to explode. Um, you know, sleeping was a problem. I'm sure you're familiar with the sensation of when you're trying to fall asleep and you just, you do, and then you jump in the bed, you know, that experience. Well, that would happen to me about 30 times, um, before I could finally sleep. Uh, I couldn't meditate because in the same way, if I tried to meditate, I would get those, those jumps. Um, and, and spiritual books, though I still had an interest, I, there was none of that inner validation that I would have had in the past where you can feel the truth of something. Um, and, and that sort of, that, that was to last for eight years. Um, there was four years of that with really, no let up um and i and i kind of became something of a of a hermit <laughs> i pretty much hibernated uh, i put on loads of weight uh, i couldn't face socializing or anything along those lines uh and it was just it was just survival now after 4 years um i learned to manage it better because I was in a relationship that was going well. I had started going to the gym. I had um, lost weight. And so, and and I kind of re-engaged with life. Now, the anxiety was still awful, um, but but I kind of got my life back and I, I wasn't sort of hiding from life. Hmm. Um, and so four years of that, and then I came to the realization one day, well, this is as good as it gets. You know, it's it's not going to get any better than this. And and what has haunted me the whole way through those eight years was the idea that there was no spiritual practice. The thing that I considered the most important thing in my life, even though I wasn't all that, you know, diligent about applying it all the time. And, you know, and I was still doing things, you know, partying and instead of, you know, spiritual development. But in the back of my head, I always know, but that's that's what that's what's important. That's the key thing in this lifetime. Um and so, like I say, eight years into the anxiety, four years after I kind of re-engaged with the life, this realization hit me. And it was very much so like when Bill said, um, 
there must be another way. I had reached that that sort of like low point where I was ready to make that invitation to the Holy Spirit. And and I knew that the answer was in the course. Um, and I decided I was going to put all my eggs in that basket. I was going to throw myself into learning the course and practicing the course if it killed me anxiety be damned it wasn't going to hold me back and so i made a really really um thorough study of kenneth wapnick kenneth is just mind-blowing in terms of his intellect and his understanding of the course inside out and backwards um and i i pretty much listened to ken's lectures like maybe for four or five hours every day um and this was just by way of training my mind and going, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Um, I, I know sometimes people can listen to Ken and think it's too complicated or intellectualized. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the course is complicated because the ego is complicated and Jesus goes into all the complications of the ego. But in terms of the course practice, it's quite simple. And in terms of Ken's forgiveness process, equally simple um and so i threw myself wholeheartedly into the forgiveness process that ken would teach and he would call it being in the theater with jesus and it was this idea that you know we have two selves we have the self we made that's not the son of god and nothing it thinks or does means anything it is unreal nothing more than that not sure what part of the course i'm quoting from there um but but that's the false self, the one that, you know, we've all slipped into identifying with. And then there's this other self. And uh, and this is the right mind. And Ken would define the right mind as um, a non-judgmental observer of the ego. So the decision maker joined with the Holy Spirit is a non-judgmental witness, noticer of the ego. And so the idea of being in the cinema with Jesus, it was a technique, it was a metaphor for getting into this idea that we have two selves. And so I would, you know, spend all my time. Now, nobody spends all the time with Jesus, you know, the, the guilt in our minds uh, will, will have us become afraid of the light and we'll go back to identifying as the insane voice talking to itself in our minds. But, but each time I noticed that or the anxiety would, would sort of like take, come into my attention as being worse, I would just go back to, to being in the cinema with Jesus. And, and I got something that, that really is, um, most people don't tend to get in the beginning. Um, and it was that. I'm not the voice talking to itself in my mind, uh, and I'm not the emotions that are coming up. Um, you know, really what I need to identify is my right mind, which is this witness to all of that. Um, and so I did that. And, and, and something Ken would say, which I found enormously helpful and which, uh, I mean, so many people have said has been helpful for them as well. Ken, Ken's expression was, but what does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with the love and peace of the Holy Spirit in my right mind? So I would spend my day allowing the anxiety to be there. I wasn't fighting it. I understood I wasn't. It wasn't my job to fight the anxiety. It wasn't my job to fix my wrong minds. It was my job to be a witness of it with Jesus. Um and so I would just do that and I would have, I, I, I would have this as my mantra. Okay. There's anxiety in my wrong mind. And I understood the anxiety was, you know, from the separation. 
it's the it's the it's the it's the guilt of separateness it's the fear of separateness and i i understood i wasn't to project it and say it's because of this and it's because of that because that's just projection we undo projection and we we look at at, at the guilt in ourselves with jesus and um and this this expression, what does it have to do with the me that's with Jesus? So I understood that on the movie screen, there was the world and there was this body called Keith with thoughts and feelings happening. And I was what was in the cinema with Jesus. And so as much as there were anxiety thoughts in the movie character, it was like, but what does that have to do with the me that's here in the cinema with Jesus? And that, that was my discipline and my participant. I, 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 I stuck with it. And it, um, in the beginning, that idea of what it feels to be joined with Jesus was somewhat nebulous. It was somewhat gray. It was more a leap of faith than any kind of huge validation of connection in my mind. But I participate. I, I'm sorry. I stuck with it for, um, for about two months before I turned to my partner and said, my anxiety is getting better. Because for the first time in eight years, there was a stillness in the back of my mind. Uh, for eight years, there was a constant static of dread and doom. And, uh, and the thoughts were just racing and circular and obsessive. And there, there was no let up and there was no space between the thoughts. There was never a moment of peace. And, and I had this realization, there's, there's space between my thoughts. There's, there's a peace that's come back into the background of my mind. Um, and I participated, sorry, I, I stuck with it for another, um, for another about two and a half months or four and a half months all told. And the anxiety was gone um, after eight years. I, I should say at this point that it was never my intention to cure the anxiety because that's that would have, I, I didn't quite understand it at the time, but I would have been making the error real and then trying to heal it. And that's the big you know, if there was a cardinal sin in the course, is that you don't make the error real and then try and fix it or forgive it. Uh, I hadn't done that. It wasn't my intention to cure anxiety. It was my intention to restore my connection to God. Anxiety be damned. Um, but the but the anxiety that was that was just a really lovely side effect of this practice of being in the cinema with Jesus. Um, and then. I sort of got a bit more than I bargained for because I had this peace back in my mind. And then every so often it felt like this, this love, um, which wasn't there all the time. I mean, the peace was there all the time and I could connect with that peace in my mind. And I knew that was the peace of the Holy Spirit or Jesus. Um, and, but every so often it would slip into like this love. Now, not anyone loving me or me loving anyone. It was like it was love itself, um, which was beautiful. And then one day I was in a restaurant. Um, I, I had this practice then. I mean, being in the cinema with Jesus for me meant that it, I, if I was walking on the street, I was doing that with Jesus. I was, you know, looking at my body walking with Jesus. I was, you know, opening the restaurant door um, with Jesus. I was, I was sitting down in the restaurant with Jesus. So I, this was my practice of not leaving the cinema, no matter what my body was doing. Um, and, and, and <laughs> this is a very strange story to tell people, but, um, I had, I had this experience. I was, I, I, I was 
I, I received my food. I was, um, um, I was buttering my, my toast with Jesus. Um, and I looked at the butter and this very weird thing happened because it was like the butter was made out of love. And it was, and it, it was like instantly I was reduced to a mess of tears in the restaurant. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, except that it seemed wacky. And I, and in my mind, there was this like heartbreaking relief and gratitude to God that I knew now I had been wrong about everything I ever believed or thought. And that this love is the only thing that was ever going on anywhere. And, and it just lasted a few moments. And then, of course, I had to try and compose myself. So everyone in the restaurant didn't think I just lost my whole family. Um, but it was an extraordinary experience that I didn't understand at the time. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that it was extension. And it's just that when you you know, when you um, spend that time in your right mind as the observer of your wrong mind, rather than identifying as your wrong mind, you're identifying as the witness to it. Um, there are there are times when the projection stops, and there is this love in your mind, and 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 I didn't know this could happen, but the love gets projected. Sorry, it gets extended um, out to what seems to be happening in the movie, and then the movie seems like love. <laughs> <laughs> and so in the real world, we would have that all the time. Uh, but it was a flash of that, uh, which took me a long time to understand. And even then, I sort of thought that that was like a one-off experience that, you know, that was just something I was very grateful for. And I could, you know, I could um, I could sort of go to my grave happy knowing I'd had this oneness experience, <laughs> that I'd had this validation of love as the prime truth in, in, in creation. Um, except that it started every so often it would happen again. I would look at my hand coming out of the shower or I would look at a dirty glove on the ground of the street I was walking on or I would see a leaf with water on it. And again, I would be re reduced to this, like, I can only describe it as a, 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 a sort of a, a fathomless gratitude um, that this love was real um, and nothing else mattered. And, um, and and as I continued with the practice, I just have that experience more and more. Not all the time, uh, but I have that experience all the time. So it was it was quite a journey to that. <laughs> Maybe I'll stop talking now and throw it over to you guys in case you want to ask. Questions. <laughs> I'm loving this. I'm, loving it. I'm, just, I'm, I'm gripped. Keep talking the whole time. <laughs> No, Although you may hear, I have all these little questions, some that seem totally irrelevant, but I have to ask them anyway. So, okay. Um, okay. One is here you were in this horrible, dark anxiety, and then you were a hermit. And then next thing I know, after four years, you know, you're, you're moving back into the world. And part of it is because you have a relationship. How did you get a relationship yeah. when you were the hermit who was dark? <laughs> that's a good question that's very sharp that, it's very like people magazine but i i just have to know <laughs> um 
Okay, the actual truth of that is that when I spoke about the relationship breakup, which was part of the perfect storm of anxiety, Mm -hmm. uh, it was this relationship in the sense that it was someone from uh, a different country, that from Brazil, actually, uh, that I had a relationship with, and that person was going back to Brazil. So Uh that was needless to say going to be the end of the relationship. Um, As it turned out, we kept in contact. um, And after four years, uh, he came back from Brazil to be here and we made a decision to get married. So, yeah, that was that was the year. I didn't want to give too much information in the story. It was long enough as it was, (laughs) but it was that same person was actually coming back to the country. So that's how that happened. Oh, thank you. That's always like, you know, as far as I'm concerned in how I see that. That's just an act of God. You know, that's an act of God coming and helping. As a writer, we even call it uh, Deus Ex Machina. You know, we're, we're yes. don't know how to stop something that's really dark. And then, you know, something comes from the beyond to help this the narrative clean up. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, yeah. And it's just, um, and Deus Ex Machina, I believe, means like a, the machine of God, you know, that just comes in and uh, brings you elsewhere. So thank you for answering that. The- yeah, I think I, I think in 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 connection with that, there's this idea that you know ultimately the whole like the Holy Spirit is going to give us everything we need, everything we need, and you know that's going to go for the horrific stuff, and it's going to go for the stuff that gets us out of the horrific stuff. It's everything. I mean, one of the loveliest quotes in the course is, "What could you not accept if you but knew?" That everything that happens, all events, past, present, and to come, are gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good. I know. Oh, yeah. That's the talk about <laughs> from anxiety to peace. Like you yeah. have to be able to believe it at some point for it to bring the peace, but it's pretty <laughs> extraordinary when you do recognize it. And it's extraordinary. The other thing was that that I really loved you saying was that, you know, at first, um, you know, you chose the discipline to stick with walking with Jesus, moving with Jesus. Yes. And um, and at first it was kind of nebulous, but an act of faith. Yes. And yeah. it brings up to me that, you know, there were times I would see my mother completely pretending to love or to experience feel like they're loving she's loving someone and yes. you know and then she seems so two-faced when that person left and was like ah <laughs> that wasn't fun. and i was always like i couldn't do that i felt like it was a lie and we would have these discussions it's like mom that's just just not true and you're and they feel something um and she said well i really believe and act as if and you will become and she sure. lived her life that way, and it worked. And I watched yeah. it work. And I couldn't. I was just, it's all here. It's all transparent. This is how I am. And there were two very different styles. But getting to see it work was just another tool for me to to say, oh, you actually can do this. And when I would say, you know, you're so two-faced. And she said, no, I'm ambivalent. And that I said, you know, you're a liar. No, I have ambivalence because I am still of two minds. And yeah, no, it's a very good point. Yeah, it's a very good point because we yeah. are ambivalent. We do have two voices in our minds. Yeah. Yes. And when you have a child who's just truth, 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 liar, liar, liar. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was it was an interesting journey for us both that I get to look at, back on now with uh, a lot more understanding and wisdom around these two minds um, and yeah. what is truth and how, what where does the truth walk that line? And then my my question again is when when you made that commitment to walk with Jesus, what mm-hmm. did Jesus? I'm, I'm just going to use this word look like to you was Jesus a person was Jesus a spirit was Jesus just a feeling or entity what did it end up meaning when you were making the commitment before you were totally there what was it to walk with Jesus yes uh that's a very good question also um and and it's one I've uh grappled with in the teaching that I do on the course because people can get very hung up on the idea of I can't visualize him um I'm not really sure if I'm visualizing the movie screen right I'm not sure if I'm visualizing myself properly in the cinema who you know where am I looking um and so that metaphor for me of being in the cinema with Jesus I kind of understood from the start that um Jesus was a a symbol for my right mind um because there's only one right mind like as Jesus says in the course the ego is legion but the Holy Spirit is one um and so I understood that my right mind was Jesus's right mind uh, and again only because I was doing so much study with 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 uh Ken um and so I didn't obsess about the visualizations or what Jesus looked like or anything like that for me my focus was on you know Jesus was this thought of perfect love in my mind mm-hmm. and uh, and that was my practice was just going back to that thought of perfect love and like I say it was gray and nebulous in the beginning but as I put my attention on that thought of perfect love in my mind that was Jesus it started to shine and it started to shine as peace and then it started to shine as a joy and then it started to shine as love itself it was quite extraordinary but again going back to what you said about the ambivalence um it you see again it, it our job is not to fight the darkness our job is to bring the darkness to the light and in order to do that what we got to do we can't sit in the darkness trying to call Jesus as the light into it because that's not the course process we gotta we've got to go up and join Jesus where he is in the light which our metaphor is the cinema and then we look on the darkness with him and and it's his job to dispel the darkness it's not mine so in terms of ambivalence, you know, you you have this process where the anxiety is still going on and you don't fight it, you don't resist it, you surrender to it being there. And and you join with this thought of perfect love in your mind at the same time that the anxiety is happening. That's what forgiveness is. It's looking at the ego with no judgment. It's allowing Jesus. Can would always say the course is about allowing Jesus to look at your ego with you. That's the whole of the course. Um, and, and that's what I did. And, and that process of holding a thought of perfect love at the same time as the anxiety, the anxiety got taken care of by that thought of perfect love that was Jesus. Um, you know, and, 
and I think that's such an important thing because uh, I, I know a lot of people when I talk about the anxiety are, have the idea I want to cure my anxiety and it's not that you know it's not your job to fight the darkness and make it real and then try and fix it it's your job to join Jesus as a thought of perfect love in your mind forget what he looks like or anything like that that's only the, it's, it's only a it's only a metaphor it's only a, it's only training wheels for what's really going on um and what's really going on is that um yes there's an insane voice talking to itself in your mind and there's guilt coming up in response to the world that's coming in through your eyes and you're not that yeah because jesus jesus tells us in the the earliest of the lessons your thoughts are not your real thoughts He's saying not the good personal thoughts, not the bad personal thoughts. None of them are your real thoughts. When you think you're thinking, your mind is blank. Um, and so really, you know, beyond the metaphor is that I am not the voice talking to itself in my mind. I am the one who hears it. I am awareness. I am a witness. And, and it's, it, it, the, the metaphor, you know, is really bringing us to the place of understanding that as Ken defined right mind, it is a witness to the ego. It is a non-judgmental witness of the ego. Um, it doesn't fight the ego. Love doesn't oppose. Uh, it merely shines as a truth in your mind and you join with that truth and you look on the darkness and you don't touch it because it's not your job. Forgiveness isn't our job. You know, Jesus is quite clear that, you know, um, our part in forgiveness is bringing the darkness to him. But we don't touch it. <laughs> That's what's very tempting is to keep trying to touch it and seeing if it's changing or fixing. And all we do is we join with the light and let the light take care of the darkness. And it's so that nice sense. that it's not our job. It's just one less yeah. thing to do that we think we have to do all of it. And we don't, uh, you know, we really don't. It's interesting too, when we think of the the metaphor as the cinema that you're talking about in the theater. Yeah. Um, because when we think of a real theater or, you know, certainly in, in the olden days, um, you know, there's the movie that gets projected on the screen. But what, allows that projection of the movie was the light in the projector. Yes. And so like without the light, there's not even the projection. It's just light. And yes. it, you know, and the entertainment of the movie allows us to forget ourselves because we get so involved in the movie. And that's actually in some ways um, closer to our true selves because we're witnessing the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. Okay. I just have a couple of other things. Sorry, Matt. I'm taking this over because I wrote little notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this was actually just something that came up that made me laugh because of your experience with the butter. Um, yes. I have a friend who, anytime the word butter is mentioned, we hear everything's better with butter and butter late than never. <laughs> the butter late than never really comes up. And that's like, like finally you got that experience with the butter and it was butter light than ever because there it was. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> some, of my students christened it the, <laughs> some of my students christened it the, uh, the little butter. Phenomenon. I like that. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it's, it's quite extraordinary when, when, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too much into, into the, the mysticism aspects of it, but, but, but that feeling that it's love and that now, obviously, I mean, as Jesus says on the course, the form is not nothing. 
Um, you know, he says, how holy is the smallest grain of sand when it's recognized as part of the completed picture of God's son? Um, and so how holy is the smallest piece of butter when it's recognized as part of the completed picture of God's son? Now, obviously, the form of the butter and the, the sand means nothing, but it's made out of mind. It's it's the mind of God's son that's holy uh when seen from right-minded consciousness and 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 that's the 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 reality that that bleeds through the movie on occasion when you slip out of projection and into extension um it's like everything is everything is one because everything is mind um because this whole world is just you know ideas leave not their source so actually you know there isn't plants and people and flowers and sky and water out there um there's there's mind there's the mind of god's son and we're just seeing what it looks like from the limited um perspective of of an ego mind um but but it's not any of those things it's it's mind <laughs> and well, and that's what started to bleed true was this truth of the oneness of everything because it's all made out of the same stuff and it was love and exactly that when you said you know um love gets extended to the movie and the movie seems like love i yeah. think therein you're speaking about the happy dream and yes. that's what happens and so when everything as you said when you looked at everything and it was reduced to gratitude that love was real that is the line love is the way i walk in gratitude it's the true prayer yeah yeah absolutely really beautiful okay i'm shutting up matt you're (laughs) you're touching on a lot of great points here keith and i've listened to a lot of the ken wapnick videos on youtube which i'm sure you have and the readings and one of the things that just totally jumped out on me i'll never forget is when he says the course, a course miracle is not talking to Matt or to Keith or mm-hmm. to Tam. It's yeah. talking to your mind. And that's what you're talking about when you're saying, go, go to Jesus in your mind, that stillness. That's what a course in miracles is speaking to, not the body, but that, that blank mind that cho- is choosing to go over to a whole, the Holy Spirit. Can you just touch on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think one of the things, um, I, I suppose I, I, I understood from, from listening to Ken and it was one of the things people really were in the beginning. I, I, I'm surprised how shocked people were when I said this. Um, is that, you know, when we begin the course, we have this idea that I, Keith, am choosing between the ego and the Holy Spirit. That's what we start off thinking. But actually, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying Keith is the ego <laughs> because it's nothing but a bunch of stories, sensations, feelings, and, and thoughts. Um, and, and again, as, as Jesus tells us very early in the workbook lessons, they're, they're not your real thoughts. And so really, um, what I am as a decision making mind, um, between wrong-minded and right-minded consciousness, I'm choosing, am I going to be the personal self, Keith, in this instance, uh, and suffer? Or am I going to fall back and be the witness um, to Keith, which is the right mind, a non-judgmental observer of the ego, 
And the extraordinary thing I learned and that I'm, you know, that I'm sort of committed to having people experience for themselves is that when you step out of your identity as the self you made, this insane voice talking to itself and its emotions, once you step out of that and become a mere witness to it, um, inside that mind, uh, the love of the Holy Spirit is blazing. So it's the hardest thing for people to, to, to sort of get through to is is that fear of not being the insane voice talking to itself and its emotions, but rather the witness to it. But that's what the right mind is. And within that right mind is the memory of heaven. Heaven's symphony is still playing. Um, and and that's really the process of them. I mean, that's why Jesus says, I, I rest in God. My right mind always rests in God. And there's always peace, love, and joy in my mind. Um, it, it's just that it's the two minds are are dissociated. And so we can only sort of identify with one or the other at a given time. And we're all ping-ponging between the two minds all the time. Um, but yeah, in terms of that thing Ken would say about, you know, it's not addressed to you. It's not addressed to the insane voice talking to itself, but a story about a past that doesn't exist. It's talking to the the you that's choosing to identify with the stories and that doesn't have to identify with those stories. If it can just let go of the ego's hand, the belief that there is a, that separateness is real, um, then 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 you let go into into the you're holding the Holy Spirit's hand and 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 love waits there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's people that are probably listening, thinking like, this is great. I'll, you know, when in the 10 minutes I have free a day, I'll do what Keith's talking about because I have all these goals I'm chasing and obstacles I'm trying to avoid. Keith's process sounds great, but do I have room for it? And you're saying, look, this is the only choice there is. Our one remaining choice as prisoners of this world is to identify with this doer who is chasing after things or with the stillness. And they're like, well, the stillness, what does the stillness do? I mean, what, what do I, what does it do? What does the stillness do? Like, and I'm so so conditioned to doing, it's like, what does it do? So that's, so when, when people have guilt or they have problems or they feel this emotion comes up, oh, I'm doing the Course in Miracles wrong, or I wouldn't be experiencing these terrible feelings. But it's actually an opportunity, isn't it, Keith? Oh, 100%. Um, I think um, it's one of the things that I have to drill in the Facebook group and um, in, in, in the Zoom meetings all the time is this idea that um, murderous rage coming up in you is not failing the Course. It has to come up in you. You know, uh, within our wrong mind is all the guilt, like the horrific self-loathing and hatred of ourselves because we've thrown our innocence away, because we threw God's love back in his face and said, I don't want it. We divorced ourselves from the, the, the fountain of all love and goodness and creation and went, I'm going it alone. I don't need your love. And there's a horrific lack in self-hatred within that. And and we, you know, the course calls that guilt and we've got to undo our guilt, uh, which means looking at our ego without judging it. Um, but, but that guilt has to come up. And that's why, uh, Jesus says in the course, all things work together for good, except in the ego's judgment. What could you not accept if you but knew that all events past, present and to come are gently planned by one who only wants your good? It's that, you know, you are going to get 
exactly what you need in your life in order that that guilt in your wrong mind is going to come up. That's the purpose of what's happening is so that your blockages to the aware of love's presence in your mind are going to come up um, and you're going to project it onto all your brothers. You're going to go, you did this to me. And that's why Jesus says our brother is our savior, because that's exactly what we're going to do. Everything our brother does, everything situation sort of like manifest as it's 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 going to cause our guilt to come up and get projected out onto the world. And now that unconscious guilt that prevents me from knowing the love of God in my mind is now hidden in plain sight. It's unconscious. I had no way of undoing it. But now I can see that guilt because it's shining in my brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So so that guilt has to come up and it's got to get projected. And now it has. All I do is I rewind projection. I understand there's no cause in the world. Nothing can make me feel anything at all. Um, It's just going to stir up what's already inside of me. And and that's our first step of forgiveness is unwind the projection. This was in me before the world was made. This is the reason the world was made. And and exactly what's happening in my life now is salvation script. So that guilt comes up and I project it and then I just bring it back. And then I join with Jesus as a thought of perfect love in my mind. And I look at this, my wrong mind and its guilt, and Jesus will take care of it. Mm-hmm. It's That's a loop. A process. It's a good loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a Fibonacci loop, you know, it's a beautiful <laughs> continuous yeah. loop. Um, Absolutely. So, so when it comes up, this is great news. This is what I'm always saying to people, for the love of God. I mean, the Course says anger is never justified. It doesn't mean don't get angry. Of course, you're going to get angry. Your guilt's going to come up. You're going to project it onto your brother and you're going to use anger to try and keep it away from you. Um, that's inevitable. And and so, you know, anger is, uh, anger is never justified doesn't mean don't get angry. It means don't say it's justified. Don't keep the projection in place. Um, understand it's not justified because I couldn't feel anything um, that wasn't already inside of me. The world is just stirring what's already there. And, and my brother and the world are my savior. I'm getting exactly what I need to undo my guilt and remember God. Yeah, here, here. Also with stillness, um, like Matt, when you said some people were like, what do you get with stillness? Love. <laughs> Stillness is love. It's quiet love. Yeah. And in, in my family, the, the worst curse word that could be said was boring. If you were mm-hmm. boring, that was just a horrible thing. And, <laughs> um, and I have so embraced boring in, in you know, my later years here of there's stillness in that. It's okay. Doesn't have to be drama and excitement and intrigue and tremendous intellectual thoughts every single moment. No. And I think, you know, the problem is that we, we attack the Christ in us, which is what we are in the cinema with Jesus, this observer of the ego rather than identified with it. We attack that Christ in us and we, and in order to identify as an ego, as an insane voice talking to itself with its body and its feelings going on. Um, and, and instantly we have taken on lack and self-loathing and self-hatred, which is just waiting for us in the ego. Um, and, and so now we're in a position of lack and we need things from the world. It's like, I need the world and people to do things for me, to be a cover over how much I hate myself. 
over this shame, over this guilt, over this inadequacy of egodom, this inadequacy of separateness. I want you, and you have to be, and this is the basis of our special love, you know, bargain. Um, you will behave in a certain way in order that I don't have to feel my self-hatred of, of the guilt of separateness. And, and, and equally, I, I'll, I'll pick out those people that are most suitable, um, as, you know, special hate relationships whereby I'm, I'm going to go, okay, I'm feeling awful, but it, you did it to me. And I'm going to, you know, get rid of the responsibility. So, so really, you know, um, you know, Jesus says in the course, you know, understand this and understand it well. All goals are, th are at the expense of God. Because as soon as I am, as soon as I have embraced the ego, I'm in a position of lack. And then rather than look inside for the Holy Spirit uh, to realize there's no lack there, that's an illusion. You're just in your wrong mind. You're identified with an illusion of yourself. Uh, instead, I look outside in the world where happiness is not. Um, and as long as I'm saying to the world, I need this from you to be happy, you know, I will be happy when... Um, I'm looking in the wrong place. I'm damned. I'm doomed. I've doomed myself to unhappiness because it's not out there. That's, that's the context of the passage in the course, the famous one where Jesus says, do you want to be right or be happy? He's talking about, do you want to be, try to be right that the world is going to make you happy? And he's saying, I'm telling you, it won't. Now, will you, will, will you let go of your need to be right about that? And will you listen to what I'm telling you about what happiness is? It's not in the world. And, you, you know, I, and you can see that because we spend our whole life going, I'll be happy when I get these exams. I'll be happy when I get the right job. I'll be happy when I meet the right person. I'll be happy when that person treats me better. I'll be happy when we're married. I'll be happy when we have kids. I'll be happy. It's a moving goalpost. These are all idols, um, replacements for the love of God in our minds that we've divorced ourselves from by choosing to be an ego. And we get, you know, once we achieve a goal, we get five minutes of happiness before it starts to tarnish, before the effect wears off. And, and then it's okay. And this is the, you know, Jesus calls this the ego's insane mantra of seek and do not find until you eventually die disillusioned you're taken out of your misery by death never never having it you know found what it was you were searching after which is which is lasting peace and happiness and and jesus is saying no you know um that's not it so you're wrong will you admit you're wrong that you are lacking that you need things that you need to do things in order to have this peace will you let that go and will you let me teach you something completely different you're not what you think you are you already are love and peace itself if you can just step out of the lacking mind you think you are and the joke there's always a joke and the joke as far as i'm concerned is always on us um, the joke within just that terminology is, do you want to be right or happy? What it's saying is, do you want to be in the wrong mind or happy? Yes. The right mind. So you really <laughs> yes. will be right if you get to the right mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a little twist there that I always found amusing. <laughs> no, it's very true. It's very, I've never thought of it like that before, but it's very true. <sighs> All right, I, I Keith, I want to throw out a challenge to us and the listeners here. So next time, let's let's just make it practical. In the next week or so, we're all going to have probably plenty of forgiveness opportunities. So let's follow the Keith, the Kenneth Wapnick format. What's said in the Course in Miracles? When that seem that ego storm comes in, it feels so real. We feel the emotions of it. I'm being attacked. You did this to me. You took my peace. If you would only change. 
So Keith steps in, the record scratches, and what do you whisper into our ears to help us get back on track? <laughs> um, don't touch it. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to change it. You surrender that what's happening right now in the world um, is exactly what you need. And you surrender to the fact that your ego is freaking out, um, that guilt is coming up, and the insane voice talking to itself gets the job of get rid of the guilt, get rid of the guilt. And so it will go on with its rants and its circular thinking and its hatred and its spite and its, and, and, and all you do, you do nothing with it. It's not your job. You fall back. You fall back and you understand you're not the insane voice talking to itself. You're not the emotions that are coming up. You're what's with Jesus when you fall back. You are the right mind aware of the wrong mind. You don't fight the wrong mind. You don't try and fix it. You don't try and change it. You stop identifying with it. You fall back and identify as that which is aware of the wrong mind. And that's it. Beautiful. Jesus does the rest. The, the, The big thing is, for the love of God, don't try and fix it. Because uh, th- that's what the voice in our head is. It's an attempt to fix our guilt by rationalizing and judging and blaming. And, all. And, and and you just, you don't do anything. All you do is remember that the right mind is a non-judgmental observer of the wrong mind when the decision maker is joined with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does the rest. Because it's really only a matter of remembering that you're not the wrong mind. Um, it's really just joining our perception to the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to do that straight away. You know, we're not going to, you know, look and it's going to disappear in the beginning. Although the more you practice this, the instant you remember you're not the voice talking to itself and it's crazy emotions, you start to notice it just vanishes the minute you remember that you're not that. Um, but, but that's not where anybody starts. You know, again, forgiveness merely looks and waits and judges not doesn't do anything because it's that's the holy spirit's job this looking with the holy spirit this 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 looking at my guilt without projecting it out and going you did this to me and this looking at the guilt from identification as the awareness of the voice in my head and not the voice in my head guilt hasn't got a prayer it can't stand the guilt of separateness can't stand. Why? Because I'm not separate anymore. I've stepped out of identifying. Now, the insane voice talking to itself is not going anywhere. It's still there. But you're just looking at it and you're going, you're identifying as something different. You are what's with Jesus in the cinema. And if you look at that guilt of separateness, not separate, it can't stand. It's because it's now a contradiction. How can you be guilty of separateness when you're not separate? It just collapses as the illusion it always was. Ah. Uh. Wonderful. Well, so much less work to do, you know, yeah. in, in the world of form. Yeah. Yeah. Because it has one purpose. It has mm-hmm. only one purpose, which is whatever is coming in. And it is your savior because you'll project guilt onto it. Rewind that. Sit with the feelings that are coming up in you and look at them with Jesus so you can, re- so they'll, they'll be released. And then they're not going to get recycled. That that chunk of guilt that you've just let go of, that will never get projected onto anyone ever again. 
You know, when we project, because our guilt is coming up all the time in response to the movie. And then what we do is we project it. We go, you did this to me. I'm anxious because I was a perfectly happy separate self, having divorced myself from the Holy Spirit until you came along and you ruined being an <laughs> ego for me. Um, and once we do that, um, as Jesus says, you know, what hope is there of um, removing guilt when it's and sin when it's seen outside yourself, but seen on the inside uh, where you bring guilt to, um, you know, and because that's what Jesus calls sickness, separateness and guilt. You bring that to the forgiveness in your mind and they're there for a moment until they're, you know, engulfed by the white light that eliminates them both. It, you know, um, that that's the, yeah, I'm not quite sure where I was going there. I was derailed in my plane of thought. Maybe it's time to cut off. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to respond for a second here, which is that a really key point here is it's not going to be recycled and why yes. i say that because everyone's into recycling um yes why why that touches me is that there was always a place in me you know i've heard all sorts of people say oh give your anger to mother earth cuz she can transform it or give your you know your anger bring it to the holy spirit because the holy spirit will know what to do with it what you're saying is one step deeper you know, the true forgiveness yeah. of the course, it never happens. So it's let go of, it disappears, poof, it doesn't need to be recycled. And a lot of my personal guilt was, I don't want to dump my bad thoughts on anyone else. I don't want to give it to the earth. And I'm putting bad thoughts, you know, I don't know that I trust that the earth will recycle my garbage. Um, you know, how do I do this? But this really does address that. And it's just like in a cartoon. Oof. Yeah. And, and that's the trick. If we project our bad feelings coming up, um, well, then, first of all, those bad feelings are the same bad feelings that are there since the apparent separation. They are the same bad feelings that came up when I was five years old. They're the same bad feelings that came up when I was 10 years old. They're the same bad feelings that have come up all through my life. And each time I went to the world, I, I would say, you did this to me. And it's never gotten undone. Now, as a core student, we're going to go, woohoo, here's my guilt coming up. I'm going to undo it. And all I got to do is, is let it be there and not blame the world first and look at it with Jesus. And this looking will absolutely blow it out and it will never be there again. That's gone now. That's that will, that, that is gone for eternity. That scrap of guilt. And, and we're, we're returning home just like one step at a time, like that chipping away at the same guilt that keeps coming up over and over and over in our life and just getting projected out onto different brothers and different circumstances. But it's the same guilt. Uh, and when we undo it, that will never be projected again. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I feel I, like I want would you, would you indulge me if I read something from the course very quickly? Sure. Absolutely. It's from chapter 14. I think this is very important when we're talking about, you know, giving the anger to the earth or even giving the anger to the Holy Spirit, because we have to understand what that means. I think yeah. Jesus is so clear in this. Um, the Holy Spirit asks of you, but this, which means nothing but this. Bring to him every secret you have locked away from him. Open every door to him and bid him enter the darkness and lighten it away. At your request, he enters gladly. He brings the light to the darkness if you make the darkness open to him. But what you hide, he cannot look upon. He sees for you 
and unless you look with him, he cannot see. The vision of Christ is not for him alone, but for him with you. Bring, therefore, all your dark and secret thoughts to him and look upon them with him. He holds the light and you the darkness. They cannot coexist when both of you together look on them. His judgment must prevail and he will give it to you as you join your perception to his. So giving our hurt and our anger and our pain to the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean, listen, I'm going to give that to you, Holy Spirit. I'll check back with you in a couple of days, see how you get on with that. That's not it at all. It's this looking is the entire message of the course. And it's not Holy Spirit, you go and look at that. It's it's him looking with me. I've got to look at the darkness that's coming up inside of me, which is brilliant because that's how you do the course. It has to come up. Um, and, and, and it's not about shunting it off onto the Holy Spirit. It's, it's about me joining the Holy Spirit, being in the light, looking at the darkness and not resisting it or fighting or touching it, but understanding that if I look at it from the light, it will disappear. That's wonderful, Keith. You've really got a great way of delivering the message here and making it simple. The easy button for forgiveness. Thank you. <laughs> well, before we let you go, Keith, we have a tradition of asking your favorite comfort food. What's your favorite comfort food in Ireland or wherever you've been? Gosh, I may not be very original here, but for me, it would be it would be pasta. Um, I would actually almost prefer pasta with no sauce or meat. <laughs> I would eat it out of the pot with just a little bit of sugar, of salt and uh, and butter. Uh, and also ice cream. And I think you would call them gummy bears. We would call them yeah. jelly bears. Any, yes. any kind of gummy sweets. <laughs> you like the sour ones? No, I don't like the sugary ones. I, mm -hmm. I, I yeah, yeah, not the sugary ones for me, but just the really chewy ones um, are absolutely, yeah. And what kind <laughs> of pasta? Like linguine or rigatoni? What do you got? Or, yeah. Any of them. Any, any of them. They all, to me, just taste heavenly. <laughs> do you like ravioli with things stuffed in them or just the straight pasta? I, I do. No, I, lo I love all pastas, you know, in, in whatever way it manifests itself. Uh, but I just I just love pasta. I mean, you know, once there's pasta, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. There was a, a little boy, and I'll never forget this every time I hear pasta, because um, there's a tradition in Judaism um, during Passover, um, the matzah, which is the flat bread that doesn't rise, um, that looks like a big square cracker, is hidden. And it's part of the tradition. And sometimes, you know, children go to find it and the adult will hide it and then there will be a bargaining. Um, but this one little boy was there and he was so excited and it was time to find the matzah. And he ran and he's looking. And he says, I can't find the pasta. I can't find the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> they go together for me. They're 11. Too, you know? <laughs> Very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, Keith, is I know you have a Facebook group. Is there any other place you want to point people where they can connect with you? 
Sure. We have a Facebook group called A Course in Miracles with Keith, uh, which you're more than welcome to, to, to come along and join. But just please um, agree to the group rules on application because I won't let you in unless you do. Uh, that's our, our only rule. And also there's an A Course in Miracles with Keith YouTube channel. Great. want to say just quickly, like, what the rules are and why you can't forgive people who are coming in and not doing the rules. <laughs> yeah, because um, it's not a general course in miracles group. Um, I, I actually, I mean, there was a very weird set of circumstances about me ending up teaching. I was a very reluctant teacher. <laughs> I went into it kicking and screaming. Um, but when I set the group up, it was because people wanted to understand the course the way Ken had taught it. And that's how I, uh, so I would respect, I, I, I think Jesus has actually pitched the course um, to every single rung of the ladder. And so he says completely contradictory things throughout the course. Um, and, and, and they're all directly towards a different rung of the ladder. So I, I, I would never look at anyone's interpretation of the course and say that that's not true because I can see the value it has for a rung of the ladder. Um, but but my group, I wasn't going to spend my time um, adjudicating and um, uh, fighting with people and spend all my time defending how Ken taught the course. Um, I, my group is, you know, come, this is how Ken taught it. This is how I do it. This is how I teach it. Uh, you don't have to accept it, but you don't get to throw rotten fruit at it and waste all our time in arguments about different interpretations. Perfect. No one does that on the internet. You're crazy. <laughs> There's no, loads of general groups where you can do that and you can explore different um, interpretations. My group is not for that. You can, you know, if that's not for you, don't join. And if you want to come out of curiosity, you're more than welcome. Just don't throw rotten fruit because, you know, th th there's there's a, I don't know, there's maybe 20, 30% of the, the course community now that would follow like, um, you know, uh, Robert Perry's interpretation of the course rather than Kenneth Wapnick's. I, I think yeah. that's great. I, I, I think all these different interpretations will suit different people differently. Um, but but we're going to I'm going to teach the, the Ken interpretation. And as I do it and and um, yeah, you know, if you get something out of that, if that's if that's your path, great. And if it's not more power to you and um, follow follow your guidance for the rung of the ladder that's right for you. Thank you. I asked that with a smile, because even throughout all of this work, the reminder that boundaries can be healthy within mm -hmm world of form right yeah well yeah. before we wrap i want to say a special thank you to sharon beck for arranging this interview oh keith, yes keith, thanks so much for coming on miracle voices and sharing your miracle voice we really appreciate it it was a pleasure to be with you this afternoon same Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. Nothing else.